Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science, science. can just peacefully. This was their finest. Today's episode is brought to you by HelloFresh. Do you feel like you're stuck in a dinner rut? With HelloFresh, you get free pre-measured ingredients with mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. Skip all those trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. You can now enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. With over 25 recipes to choose from each week, there is something for everyone to enjoy. All recipes are designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. Go to the link in our show notes to get $80 off including free shipping on HelloFresh Canada, Canada's number one meal kit. Hey, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. <laughs> I'm Sean. What's this episode actually about, Nathan? <laughs> God, all I'm thinking about is Harry Styles now, you know? All right, today's episode is, is part two on our series is, on is, HIV. Maybe you guys joined us last week and you know that we have started a multi-part series on uh, HIV AIDS. Uh, last week, we kind of talked about our preliminary stuff kind of the history, where it comes from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whoa, 1910, yeah. who knew? HIV AIDS has a, a more complicated and deeper, richer, in fact, history than I think people appreciate. Wow. But this episode, we're going to start to talk about what this disease does, right? Yeah, yeah, like how it actually gets in there. The pathology, homicide, right. life on the streets, right? Or yeah. city blues? Yeah, okay. I don't sure. remember, well, they're all the, the same cop show, you know? But it's like mom was getting me to watch this show called freaking like Hospital Playlist or something. Yes. And it really felt the like Korean that. The Korean drama. Yeah, it really felt like that. I was just like losing brain fluid because I was just, not because it was like bad in any unique way or, yeah. or even bad at all. Sure. It was just like, I just, it was just like a hospital show. And I was like, every scene was like another hospital show. And yeah, I was like, but Nathan, ah. it's Koreans being treated with medicine. <laughs> right, right. It's so revolutionary. <laughs> no, but anyway. <laughs> Um, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> but, All right. But anyway, so so this episode we're talking about its um, psycho history. If you guys know what what that is, from the we gotta get series. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but this episode we're gonna focus on HIV/AIDS, how it works, so that next week we can talk about treatments. Yes. Yeah. Originally we were gonna try to fit treatments in here, but there's actually way too much stuff going on in the treatment world. So yes, this week. The cell biology, you know, the pathophysiology of HIV yeah. AIDS. Next week, the treatments. Let's do it. Dun, 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 on Petri Dish. Okay, Sean, so tell me about the psychophysiology <laughs> of HIV AIDS. All right, all right. So, speaking of Harry Styles, it's a virus. Yeah, that's true. Um, He's and, in my head. <laughs> and last time we talked about the virus itself, we mentioned how it's a retrovirus. Yeah. Right? And so that means it's able to take its RNA genome, 
turn it back into DNA and then slip that into our genome, right? Mm. But how does it actually spread? What sorts of cells does it infect? How does it actually get into cells? That's what we're going to be doing here, okay? So tell me about heterosexual penis. Um, it's in your nose. <laughs> you know about heterosexual penis. <laughs> no, I don't. What? <laughs> but okay. We're so, not ready to make that announcement yet? Well, so okay. So most transmission these days of HIV is from heterosexual intercourse. Penis in vagina unprotected sex. Okay, okay. Because you can have heterosexual anal intercourse. Right. Right? You know, that can happen. And just in general, anal intercourse does have a higher risk of transmission right. if someone's HIV positive. That can be heterosexual, homosexual, like whatever. You know what I mean? That's true. But most of the transmission, I think because of the frequency and the demographics, is from heterosexual penis and vagina sex. And we're talking about mainly in sub-Saharan Africa. So why are your notes so lewd today? What? I feel like I was reading them and I got filthy mouth just like looking at them. Because it's like all about... Because I say like bodily fluids and stuff like that. Mm. Well, like I feel like you really made sure to belabor the point of like penis and vagina. Right. Well, I think it's important though. <laughs> I think people need to know <laughs> about how sex happens. Our listeners know how sex happens. All right. The most. All alphas. Out of, out of all listeners. Yeah, yeah. They know the most about sex. Anyway. Um, like Ezra Klein, he would have to explain this to his <laughs> listeners. Ezra Klein listeners don't know how this works. <laughs> I, I was one of those listeners. <laughs> Petri dish, we know, dude. <laughs> Transmission is possible when virus-containing bodily fluids yeah. interacts with the blood of an uninfected person or when the fluids interact with the mucosal membranes mm. of an uninfected person. My favorite. Like in the vagina or the intestines, including the large intestine slash anus. Okay. Transmission can also occur between mothers and children Last episode, you had asked me about the transmissions from mothers to babies, infants, yeah. and fetuses. And you had asked, like, oh, I thought it could happen inside the womb. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm not sure. Yeah. And so I looked it up, and you are right that it can happen inside the womb. Oh, wow. It's much more likely to happen in the third trimester or around birth or something like that. Right. Because there can be some blood. There can be some of that kind of stuff. Right. It's less likely to occur earlier on, but it still can happen. Right. I mean, this is this is one of the rare instances where drinking is good for the fetus, right? Because it kind of puts it in a protective shell in the third trimester. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> I mean, I'm just trying to make medical recommendations. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't believe what you just said. Holy shit. Uh, uh, wait, okay. I want to just figure out, once and for all, oral. How dangerous is oral in this context? And how about the relative dangerousness of mouth, ear, and nose? <laughs> Technically, there are mucous membranes in the mouth. Right. And, like, the risk from any individual encounter of even like penis and vagina sex is relatively low. Right. And for oral, the fluids involved and the pathway in is like right. lower still, right? right? So I think the risk is very, very low. Right. I think like saliva, there's not really risk. Okay. But in the context of like, I can't decide how to say any of these words. Well, I mean, this is why it's a matter of individual liberty. Since the risk is low, you need to decide. What that's do I want to say? Amendment right. if, if a dude splooges in the mouth, technically that splooge might have HIV in it. Sure. Okay, okay. But, like, the risk of transmission through that mucous membrane is lower. Okay. So it's not a very high-risk situation. Okay, so but oral honestly, is kosher. Um... Well, just to be clear, <laughs> at this point, anybody who has HIV should be on retrovirals okay anybody who has a partner who is hiv positive should be on prep 
there are treatments that can lower the risk extremely low, and then you can still have a sex life, and you can still have that be part of your experience. Um, See, you know, sometimes I just feel like you and me are like a couple traveling for a month through America, and then, you know, I come back, and you're gone. And it turns out you're dead. Because <laughs> I murdered you. Oh, That's what some of these conversations feel like. You this, know what is I mean? a, this is a Gabby Petito reference. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. How come everyone knows this person? Why <laughs> right. is this such a huge story? Am I crazy? Isn't this just like a couple of white people who like decided to, to like Get go murdered. on a trip <laughs> and then one of them was killed by the other one, probably? Although I guess I don't even know if we can say that. Yeah, that yeah. dude's like definitely not right. even arrested right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> is I this mean, our culture news segment? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> How is this a story? Is it because she's, like, young and kind of pretty? Is that why? Yeah, I, I just think it's one of those classic human interesty things, right? Like, I don't think she was hugely famous prior, although I think she was on some social media or something. But her, you know, she's young, she's pretty, her dude is pretty, they're honkies, and I think those stories can sometimes, you know, I mean, like, they're, they blow out because they're lurid, right? I'm just I'm just mad because every year millions of Sean's go missing in national parks right. all over the U.S. Right, and right. no one talks about it. No one talks about it. <laughs> um, Hopefully, this will bring more light <laughs> to that yeah. problem. Yeah, come on, people. Uh, okay, when a person gets infected, they aren't getting infected with like a single virus particle. Yeah, right. I mean, is... obviously, there's like a bunch of virus particles. Yeah, but this is where we get to the tricky, tricky. Right. So those virus particles are not genetically the same right all right one of the reasons is that hiv when it's replicating itself in a cell changes a lot really fast right right it has no error checking and so it actually develops a lot of mutations in the process of copying itself yeah kind of like the early bible yeah, right probably yeah yeah <laughs> yeah mean, those guys didn't know what they were doing yeah they were not error checking the, the gospel of matthew right exactly mean? yeah <laughs> <laughs> or like Facebook, they're not fact-checking either. Okay, yeah. so like you know, there's a lot of errors that are getting in there. Facebook, the early Bible, and AIDS, <laughs> all the same, all very similar viruses. <laughs> um, yeah, so like with HIV, the mutation rate is probably around one mutation per replication. Yeah. So if the virus is replicating a billion times, that's a billion mutations that could be happening. Right. 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 And a lot of those mutations don't help it at all. Mm. Some of them are silent. They don't change anything. Yeah, some are detrimental. Right. And then those HIV viruses are unable to infect cells or do it really shittily. But when there's a transmission event and there's some number of virus particles going to another person, yeah. the shittier ones get weeded out. And then a successful one is the one that's able to infect cells well, replicate well. And evade the immune system. I feel like this is gonna end up being the model for Elon Musk's children, what? right? And which one gets the company? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's how Elon Musk also thinks about it. You think they're gonna have more than one? I thought Elon Musk already had like eight kids, like amongst his previous partners. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Also, Grimes and Elon Musk split up, apparently. Wow, I just don't keep track of Elon Musk, apparently. Yeah. I don't think about that, dude. Well, it's because last <laughs> night we were driving on Crenshaw past mm. SpaceX. Oh. And I remembered a little thing I saw on YouTube about it. Uh, I mean, I, I don't want to... I, I don't even know if that's true or permanent or anything like that. So <laughs> let's, let's not worry about <laughs> All it. All right, Elon Musk. Yeah, yeah. Those virus particles, they get in there. Some of them get selected for, right? And then the yeah. successful ones are the ones that expand out. Yeah. Outcompeting the other ones. So it's cool. almost like this like little bit of competition between the virus particles, survival of the fittest kind of thing, right? Yes. And this phase where the viruses are just getting started is called the eclipse phase of mm -hmm. infection. Cool. It's about a week, and it's called that because there isn't enough virus in the blood to be detectable. Yeah. 
But once virus is detectable in the blood, once it's reached levels high enough, it basically has this exponential growth mode. It's like really kicking off. Right, okay. And basically what's happening in that situation where it goes exponential is that in the original infection, it's usually located close to the mucosal site where it got transferred. Yeah. And then maybe to the draining lymph nodes, but it hasn't really hit the blood yet. But as soon as it gets on the highway, right, as soon as it's on the blood, it can go anywhere and it can hit cells all over your body so it's all of a sudden exponentially growing exponential sounds like a bad m night Shyamalan pandemic film where like at some point the twist is characters like tiny things are in me wow that's the twist <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like there's little things that can be in me and can grow and the other person's like exponential <laughs> m night Shyamalan movies only work because someone's really stupid yeah yeah right, right. like the entire plot like revolves around someone being extremely dumb i was like that classic shot of like mark Wahlberg being like it's the trees right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah or like uh, mel gibson being like it's water yeah yeah yeah. or or one of the producers being like what if the fire nation was from india <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. What if Aang was a cracker? We don't talk about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dev Patel, like, cries when he's, like, asked about it on interviews. And it's like, you're a grown man now, Dev. <laughs> you, yeah, you gotta move on, buddy. Yeah. So basically, what kind of cells is HIV infecting? T-cells. 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 Capital T that runs with P that stands for pool. Yes, the music man. I was just talking about that last night and how you have this long-lasting love for the music man. Yeah, I know what it really was. You were like, like both of you were naked dancing around your bed, and she was like, "Good night, ladies," and you're like, "We were singing Shapoopy, okay?" Well, Shanu gets the famous definitely a hussy. So, uh, you're right, it's T-cells that get infected by HIV. Yeah. Specifically, a kind of T-cell called CD4-positive T-cells. Nice. And they're called that because they have a protein on their surface called CD4. Cool. So, they're CD4-positive. And that CD4 protein is what HIV binds to. Kiss, kiss. Okay. And so, you can go back and check out our adaptive immune system episode. But basically, CD4-positive T-cells are typically what are called helper T-cells. They remember the shit, right? They can have memory, but also they're oh. sort of like in a management role where they talk to a lot of different kinds of immune cells and help activate them and coordinate them. So they're kind of, you know, the upper middle management. Nice. All okay. right. And yes, they are a kind of cell that can contribute to immune memory. Some helper T cells stick around for years. All right. So that Just you... like middle management. Yes. yes. <laughs> Just years and years and years. <laughs> Just never get out of there. <laughs> so that if you get reinfected with something, those memory cells can reactivate your immune system quickly. Yeah. Right? HIV has proteins on its surface, reminiscent of the spike protein on coronavirus. Right, right. right. And the actual protein on HIV is called GP120. Okay. Not as fun a name as Spike. I don't know. All these are cool names. GP120. It sounds like a Subaru or something to me, or like some sort of other car. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Ford Mustang GP120. Yeah. My GP120. <laughs> yeah. I um, that. And that protein is the one that binds to CD4 on the T-cells. Oh, I see. Okay. And after GP120 binds to CD4, it changes its shape a little bit so that it can bind to another protein on T-cells. Either a protein called CCR5 or a CXCR4. Now, that's a lot of names of proteins and stuff like that. But one of the interesting things, the reason why I'm sort of belaboring the details here, yeah. is that how we treat HIV and how we might treat it in the future or potentially cure it 
depends on some of these mechanistic details. Okay, so like it is kind of important that like CCR5 and CXCR4 are like things on T cells that HIV, it doesn't require it, but it helps it infect the cell. So once it binds CD4 and that extra receptor, that makes it so that a little tiny other protein kind of sticks out of the HIV right? called GP41. And that little guy that sticks out, that's what lets the HIV fuse with the cell. Right. And once you get that fusion going on, that releases the HIV stuff into the cytoplasm. Okay. And then that's the full-blown infection. Okay, well, what happens once the jism gets in there? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So basically what happens is you have a few different proteins that the HIV has in its virus particle already. Right. One of the proteins is reverse transcriptase. That lets it take its RNA genome and turn it into DNA. Okay. So the opposite of the uh, central dogma. It's going to go and it's going to plug itself in there, right? Right. With another protein called integrase. Okay. So integrase helps integrate the viral DNA into our genome. Yeah. Not totally at random, but kind of at random. Okay. It mainly picks spots that are like, uh, so, you know, our DNA in our cells, some of it is really tightly packed because we're not using it. Sure. And then some of it's kind of looser. And usually the virus kind of integrates more into the looser bits. Okay. Sort of makes sense. Yeah. And so what I just said right now about how it gets into the cells using CD4 and CCR5 and all that stuff, that's all true. But when we said that it's, you know, that it infects CD4 positive T cells, it doesn't only infect those cells. Okay. There's other cells out there that have CD4 and CCR5 or CXCR4. Like, other cells have those things on them. Right. They don't usually have quite as much as the T cells, so they're not usually as big a target. Mm -hmm. But some of them might be relevant to how HIV infections can spread in the body. For example, there are dendritic cells and macrophages. They have these on them. You can listen to our innate immune episode uh, to learn more about them. But basically, they're innate immune cells that usually like kind of directly run into bacteria or viruses and then help activate T cells later on. Okay. And so the idea is that dendritic cells actually usually, you know, maybe they're hanging out in your skin or something like that. Or they might be hanging out in some other part of your body. If they encounter a virus, usually what they do is they'll eat that virus and then move to the nearest lymph node. And in the lymph node, show that virus to like a bunch of T cells and B cells and stuff. Okay. But that might mean that if HIV can infect a dendritic cell, the dendritic cell almost is like a taxi that like delivers HIV to where there's a bunch of T cells. That's pretty cool. So that might be a source of kind of how early infection might happen sometimes. But also, because HIV can integrate itself into our genome, any cell where it does that, might be a reservoir of HIV that could, in the future, create more HIV particles again. Okay. So that's why a cure is really difficult for this. Because even if we wipe out, like, all of the T cells, and we're like, okay, the HIV can't do anything anymore because we got rid of its home, right? We got rid of all of the T cells. There might be other cells that the HIV is still hiding out in. Right. And so that makes it very challenging to actually get rid of them. So let's take a break, and then when we come back, Let's talk a little bit about the timing of some of this stuff. Okay, cool. The following is an actual advertisement. Hi, my name is David Mendez and I host the Papa PhD podcast. Is it about parenthood? Not really, but it can be. Is it about the PhD? Not exclusively. 
It's about growing up during grad school and about the possibilities and best practices around starting to carve and shape your career path early on. Let's say you're asking yourself, what kind of job can I get with a PhD? Or telling yourself, no one hires PhDs outside academia. Well, then this podcast is for you. Tune in to Papa PhD every Thursday and listen to my guests' insightful stories of finding their way in academia, but also in entrepreneurship and in the most diverse sectors of the job market. Each week, I will cover themes ranging from work-life balance and mental health in grad school to advice on job hunting and career building. So go to papaphd.com or subscribe on your favorite platform to follow us every Thursday and to take part in the conversation. Well, tell me about the timing of some of this. <laughs> right. Okay. So I think this is, to be honest, this isn't super critical for anything we're going to talk about later, but I think it helps illustrate something that actually I don't have a very good grasp on. And I think a lot of listeners and just people out there don't have a good grasp on right. is how quickly some of these things happen. Because when they're so small, sometimes I think we think like either it's infinitely quick yeah, or have just like no grasp of the time. Right, right, right. So how long does it take? For an HIV particle to fully attach onto a T cell and then fuse. Instant. 30 minutes to two hours. Okay, yeah. Okay, so it is not a fast situation. Right, so you're one through through your game of Game of Thrones, the board game. And it's already, and it's fusing. Oh, man, you just gave me like severe PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Oh, I'm so bummed Should have played right House that. Stark, dude. You, knew, you know how it ends. Ooh, what a bummer. Bran is king. I think the problem is that... Because he has the best story. One time I played the Lannisters. Yeah. And just like pissed everyone off. Everyone hates you. Yeah. It was rough. I was just trying to do a good job. Haven't you read the books? <laughs> so, it takes about... 12 hours after that yeah for the virus's genetic info to get turned into dna and then integrated into the cell gene okay and then after another 24 hours you start to see viruses produced by that infected cell wow and infected cells typically hang out for two to four days before they're destroyed but got a lot of spread in the meantime yeah yeah you can definitely produce a lot of viruses in that time period virus production it's variable how detrimental it is to the cell, mm. okay? In that it's not a situation where a bunch of viruses is made inside the cell, like the cell's a bubble or something, and yeah. then the cell bursts and all the virus comes out. It's not like that. Right. The viruses bud off from the cell. Very interesting. And so the cell can continue being a virus factory for a while, and it actually varies by HIV strain and quasi-species. Like the, the little mutations that we were talking about that happens in your own body means that there are strains of HIV that your body sort of influenced into being yeah. that might not kill cells as hardly. They might not be as good at killing cells. Yeah. Oh. Uh, uh, what do you got? Well, just remind me what the normal lifespan of a cell would be, of a, let's say, a T-cell. Right, so that depends on if it's going to be a memory T-cell or not. Right. But usually, you know, we can talk about weeks to months up to years. Right. If it's a memory T-cell. Okay. Um, so T-cells can last for a while, especially leading up to activation. They can last for a pretty good amount of time, too. Okay, so we now have some... We now have HIV developing in our body, right? right? Um, you told me that growth ends up being exponential. Right. At what point do we hit AIDS? And chronic infection. Right. So at a certain point, the amount of HIV you can detect in the blood goes exponential 
and then kind of levels off and then drops some. Interesting. Okay, so the HIV levels don't keep going up and then you get AIDS or anything like that. What oh. happens is there is an acute infection phase and a lot of times people will eventually develop symptoms of feeling sick. A flu-like sickness, mononucleosis type sickness where you like you feel really fatigued, maybe you'll have gastrointestinal problems, you'll feel ill, right, but it won't be AIDS. Okay? And a lot of T cells die. Right. But the HIV levels drop off. A lot of them go into latent mode. Okay. They're already in your genome now, and they just kind of go quiet. They're not really a big virus factor anymore. Mm. The infected cells can kind of go about their business, more or less. And your T cell levels recover. So your T cell levels go back to normal, basically. Mm. But gradually over time, some cells will produce kind of this regular steady flow of some HIV virus. Right. And so there's just like this trickle of low levels of HIV all the time. Okay. And actually, AIDS is immunodeficiency, right? Mm. And so we think about that as like, oh, your immune system is gone, right? But the thing about people who are HIV infected, especially ones that aren't taking any kind of drugs to manage it, is they are chronically inflamed, actually. Mm. Their immune system is going. Their immune system <laughs> is inflamed. So the, You know, I'm chronically inflamed because my wife's so fucking hot. God, is that what we're doing? No, we're cutting that too. <laughs> no, we can keep that. I, guess. <laughs> I, I, I say, say we keep it. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Deal with that, Stacey. Fuck. <laughs> you just got called hot on air. Um, yeah. So when I thought about HIV AIDS, I thought about because it's immunocompromised that all of the immune system would be down. Right. But the innate immune system is actually chugging along because they're looking around. They're like, there's fucking virus in the body right now. Right. Like, we need to freak out. Like, let's do something about this. Right. But as they try to activate T cells, as they go up to T cells and they're like, dude, we need to get going on this. Those T cells start getting activated. But if they're infected with HIV, becoming activated is actually the signal that restarts virus production. Wow. So then that starts cranking up the virus production. And then that kind of, you know, cycles a little bit. You start having more HIV, you kill off some more T cells. And so what you see over time in people who are HIV infected and not taking any treatment for it is their T cell levels steadily drop over months and years. Right. And there's different susceptibilities to it. So for some people, it can be weeks to months. And for other people, it can take years and years. And part of that is from mutations in T cells that make it harder for the virus to get in. That's really interesting. But at the end of the day, if there's no treatment or anything like that, eventually the T-cell numbers drop low enough that you don't have a functioning adaptive immune system. Wow. And that's when you get AIDS. All right. So I think that kind of sets us up now that we understand how the virus works. That sets us up for talking next episode about historical treatments like poppy flower and, uh, you know, balancing humors. Uh, <laughs> and going into some of the really crazy new treatments that we're developing right now using CRISPRs, you know, you were talking about spike proteins a little bit ago. We'll talk about how the mRNA vaccine is going to open the door for a, a really awesome new vaccination against HIV, right? Yeah, so we have a little bit of time, so I think we might as well go into a little bit of a preview of next week. Yeah. Basically, there are like a few different stages of treatment or even pre-treatment for HIV. Right. And so if you're someone who has a risk of potential exposure. Right. Like, for example, if you have a partner that's HIV positive. Right. You can take a pill that's called PrEP. 
Okay. And it's pre-exposure prophylaxis. Okay. And that means that it's a pill and it has stuff that helps prevent the retrovirus part, the reverse transcription. It can inhibit that. Mm -hmm. And so you just take that pill all the time. Okay. It's like every day you're taking that pill. Okay. Just in case. Just in case. And then if you're Nathan and you're working at the bar. Yeah. And someone comes up and bites you and then bleeds into your wound. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And you're like, that person... Might have had something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, I, mean, I remember last week the Sid Circus came. <laughs> like all sorts. What of did you just say? <laughs> it was Sid Circus. So there's like all sorts of different simians in cages. Uh, that like this yeah. one guy was like, "Look, you know, all yeah. these monkeys have Sids. You, you, you got a virus." And we're like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's like scratch yeah. me up bad. Yeah, you got something. I know you did. Anyway, <laughs> what you can do? That. <laughs> I, I thought it was fun. Uh, at that point, you can go to an ER yeah. and get what's called post-exposure prophylaxis. Okay. And what that means is like really quickly after you think you're potentially exposed, they can give you a big dose of drugs that are supposed to inhibit retroviruses. Wow. To try to keep you from getting infected. That's really cool. And then if you do have an infection, there are still antiretroviral therapies, ART, yeah. that you can get. And those are supposed to be able to try to keep the levels of the retrovirus in your blood so low that you can't transmit it to anybody. Right. And we'll talk a little bit about how those work, but what I'm hearing basically is, you know, today there are several ways to deal with HIV if you can figure out that you've been exposed to it really early. Right. Yes. Yes. And if you understand your environment of people who are positive around you. So, right. So testing is really important because HIV doesn't have to be a death sentence or anything like that. And you don't need to infect other people right. while still living your life so long as you know and then adhere to a therapy regimen. Yeah. Right? But all that said, hey, wouldn't it be great if instead of having to do those kinds of lifelong treatments, we had a vaccine to prevent it and a cure to completely get rid of it, right? Well. And so those are the two things that we're going to be, like that's what we're finishing next episode about. The vaccine is something we've been shooting for for a long time. Last year, there was actually like a pretty high profile failure of a clinical trial for the vaccine. Uh -huh. but, but then the FDA overtured what its advisory board said. <laughs> I would, don't be so naughty. As a patient uh, outreach and pressure. <laughs> but I think a lot of people are, they have a lot of hopes for Moderna and their mRNA vaccine. Yeah. And then also we have some really right. interesting futuristic -y shit that right. could end up being something like a cure. That could be pretty sweet. And right now, Moderna is 0 for 1. But hopefully, oh my can, god, just kidding, just why kidding. are you so naughty all the time? <laughs> just, just god, just, you have such a hooker. So mouth. far, Moderna's one for one. Let's see if they can be two for two. How are they one for one? Why? Because they they did the the COVID vaccine and it worked. So that means they're one for one, right? Oh, that, that's how that number. They works. give it like well, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. I thought because you could also say like like what what is they it? get a one, one out of ten, one and zero. Oh. Right, which oh, means right. like that they have zero losses. There but you're right, go. one and one. That's right, Nathan. You're yeah. so good. You're so good. I'm sorry for ever doubting you. No, you're right too. Well, okay. So anyway, right. let's say thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer and animator. Hot wife. Let's say just got married, guys. Ding, ding, ding. That's not true. Woo! <laughs> let's say thank you to Brian Allen for artwork. Guys, email us at petridish.com slash petrishit. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was already wrong. Petridishpod at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. Twitter at dishpodcast. Yeah. Patreon.com slash Petri Dish. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll, we'll <laughs> Only <forget>. fans. <laughs> Only flash. <laughs> the dot com slash Petri Feet. <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> Dirty feet on the web. Onlyfans.com slash two brothers. <laughs> <laughs> two brothers, one mic. <laughs> like our initial name was. All right. All right. Well, we will see you guys next time. See you. Scare me, daddy. Next time.
Da 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 da